Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? I'm not well. Last time I recorded an episode, I was in all innocence saying, oh, I don't feel very well. I think I'll go and take a COVID test. One week later, you girl's not been well at all. It's horrible. But this podcast has to be made, so here I am. Forgive the tight sounding chest, the problems breathing, because I can't I can't not come on here because I've got amazing books to talk to you about. So my reviews of the books are going to be brief and to the point, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Let me tell you what books we've got coming up this week. We've got, oh, it's great, The Accomplice by Steve Kavanagh. You know I love Steve Kavanagh's books. This is wonderful. I've got Steve coming on as well. Then we've got The Retreat by Sarah Pears. Now, Sarah is coming on as well to answer five questions in five minutes. Then we've got The Taking of Annie Thorne by CJ Tudor. Yes, I threatened I was going to read another one of hers, and I absolutely did. Then we've got Waiting for Sunshine by Jane Sanderson and The Party House by Lynn Anderson. Quite a selection. So let's get stuck in. The Accomplice. Now, come on. If you love thrillers, if you like legal thrillers, if you like sort of crime thrillers, whatever you like, you're going to love these books. They are astonishing. Steve Kavanagh is one of my top authors. He really is. Definitely on the auto buy list. And he writes the Eddie Flynn series particularly, um, although he's written one standalone as well. They're great books. Read them. Listen to the blurb on this one. The Sandman killings have been solved. Daniel Miller murdered 14 people before he vanished. His wife, Carrie, now faces trial as his accomplice. Everyone believes she knew and helped cover up her husband's crimes. But his wife is on trial. The Sandman is forced to come out of hiding to save her from a life sentence. He will kill to protect her and everyone involved in the case is a target, even Eddie Flynn. And uh, yeah, the tagline, being married to a serial killer is murder. (laughs) Wonderful. Right, let's do first sentence. Prologue. The SWAT leader called it. Ten seconds. Once the count reached zero, they had a hundred yards of well-tended lawn to clear before they reached the back door. Paige Delaney eased herself up from the wet leaves, pulled down a thin branch from a pine tree to get a better view of the house, A chalk ball moon sat over the silhouette of a brick colonial-style mansion set in Old Westbury, New York. 
Delaney filled her lungs, breathed out slow, listened to the count over the comms. Ten. I'm not going to read you anymore. It's amazing. It's wonderful. I loved it. I loved the twists and the turns. I just, they keep, I don't know how, but they keep getting better and better. Extraordinary. Let's talk to Steve now. So Steve Kavanagh, whose latest amazing book is The Accomplice. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be back, Philip. Well, let's talk about this book. I mean, the, the title alone, the, the word accomplice for me is such um, an expressive word. Did you know from the beginning that the book was going to be about an accomplice and that was going to be the title? I didn't know the title. Um, uh, but it fits very well with the concept of the book. But it was one of a number of titles that I'd had. I'm terrible at titles. That's my big weakness, is my titles. I really, really struggle with titles. And it was one of about 30 that we had flung together, and I thought, yeah, that's that's the one that will do. Yeah, it's that bad. It's often, you know, <laughs> as bad as that. <laughs> That's more more words than the book. No, I'm joking, but that's a yeah. that's a lot. It's a, a lot of titles to to choose from. I mean, you've done you've done a juror, a sister, a district attorney, and now a wife. Do you have a sort of a hit list that you that you use? I never sort of really thought about it that way. No, I don't. I just get it's kind of get an idea of a scenario, a premise, something that's I think is really interesting. And has lots of possibilities and something that I think will be interesting to other people. You know, um, that, that's the big key for me is that this is some setup that a lot of people will be able to grasp easily and go, oh, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to know more about that. Or there, I'd like to hook the reader with the tagline on the cover of the book and for them to be intrigued. And I think that for this one, the tagline and the title work really well. So the tagline is, being married to a serial killer is murder. And oh, I had one a bit like that, but my, my wife, Tracy, she came up with that one. She really nailed that tagline. People are always you know, complimenting me in the taglines, but this one is Tracy. Well, and she's also nailed the TikTok video for to introduce the accomplice and being married to a serial killer, I think. I mean, my goodness, she's her acting is amazing. Yeah, she's very creative, you know, and she loves doing these videos. They're only for a bit of a laugh, you know, and they certainly make me laugh. Um, because sometimes it's going to be a bit serious, you know. And I like really cool trailers, but this is a this is something else. It's really it's a really good bit of fun. Oh, it is, and you've had your son Noah interviewing you. I mean, clearly, I I'm out. Noah's going to be coming in as a as a podcast host. I think he was really good. He did really well, you know. He likes he likes doing stuff like this, you know. They, all the kids have their TikToks as well. So they're much better at it, you know, than Tracy is. They 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 know how to do all the editing and everything and put stuff on it. So, they you know they're they're fabulous at it. So, and it's good to involve yeah. the kids in it as well. You know, if we're doing something, so that's oh, that's, that's good nice. fun. Well, I mean, I just love Eddie Flynn, who is the main character in your whole series of books. Um, you know, he has all these tricks to help him win the day. You definitely want him on your side. Does Eddie come from? a particular person you've been in contact with or is he a mix of different elements eddie's mostly me really oh right he's kind of it's, it's sort of how i think is how eddie thinks but obviously eddie does things that i would never do but he he um he has just a way of looking at the world um that the the law can be very frustrating 
because what you know the law and justice are two completely separate things you know they don't often meet in the middle really and uh, Eddie is just he, he's realized this so he uses his skills as a con artist to try and even out the scales of justice a little bit and um, I love that because you need it and often as a con artist he's the most honest man in the courtroom because he is he, he only takes a case if he believes his client is innocent and he will use his powers for good so he's he's really fun to write and I feel now this is book seven there was a novella as well there's been a couple of short stories but it's really novel seven here and I know him really well now um, and I like new readers coming to him because all the books are written so that you can pick the series up in any order. You can go anywhere and you won't admit there'll be no massive spoilers or anything. You'll, you know, there's the, you'll, you can pick it up at any stage. Um, and that's the way I've got most of my readers that read the latest book and then they go back and read the rest of the series. So that's great to see. And, uh, Eddie's, um, and people like Eddie because I think he is essentially heroic. You know, he acts for other people to the detriment of himself. He puts his own life at risk and his career at risk and everything at risk for someone else because it's the right thing to do. And, I, and you know, he's got a good sense of humor as well. And he's really clever. You know, Eddie's not, he's, he is a tough guy, but he's, there's, there's a vulnerability to him as well, an emotional vulnerability. Uh, but he's really smart. He's all, he tries to be a step ahead of, of people. So that can be tricky in trying to get a villain who is equally as devious and as as smart as Eddie. So, but I, I really enjoy writing him. But yeah, that's he thinks a lot and he cross-examines people like I used to. That's how I did it. Oh, how interesting. Uh, yeah, and it's his... I, I use the word cunning, but I use that in a positive way, that he is able to trip up the, the, the people who are, who are bad in the courtroom. I'm not going to say which particular roles they play, but it's, you know, you look at a situation, it's like looking at a picture and thinking you see it, and yet Eddie manages to change that picture. And I, that's what I love, you know, what, how are you going to do this next? That's what I'm always interested about in your books. Well, thank you. That's always a challenge, you know. Um, uh, but I, I love doing that. And how I mainly do that is, you know, there are different aspects of forensic science and testimony uh, that are given regularly. And you're reading it, you'll read, first of all, what the witness says, and you think, that's pretty damning. Uh, you know, there's no way out of that. And then Eddie will have be already a step ahead of you, the reader, and he will come in. So that's the way the, the books, the books kind of work on two levels. So Eddie is sort of using his skills and persuading the jury and tripping up the witness. He's also kind of doing the same thing to you. Um, but there's often very occasions Eddie will take your hand and say, okay, I'm going to do something here. Watch this. And this is how he explains yes. how all of this works. <laughs> so you feel as if you're with him. Um, uh, so yeah, I like, I, I, I like those, those aspects of the, of the books. You always deliver the, the twists and the sort of what moments that we love to read. Are they enjoyable to write or are they a pressure as well? They are a pressure. They can be a pressure. Um, I like twists, and in in most of my nearly all of my books, there's there's some there's multiple twists or or you know some kind of big twist, 
And I, I, I love reading twists. I love being surprised um, by a book or a story. But it's trying to do it uh, authentically. So that it comes out of the narrative that I'm telling. I'm not trying to put a twist in where there's no real reason for having it there. You know, it has to be organic from the story. And they can be hard to pull off because essentially I'm doing to you what Eddie's doing to the witnesses. I'm, I'm leading you down a blind alley. And then I'm going to say, oh, look at this. And you go, oh, wow. And that's what I want. But it, it always has to be a great thing. A reader said, I didn't see that coming and I really liked it. You know, uh, like a magician. Um, so, it, yeah, they can be very tricky. But when you get the, when I get them right and they work really well, then yeah, that's great. That gives me enormous pleasure to see the reactions on Twitter and people saying, oh, I've got to that bit. Didn't see that yeah. coming. I love that. Oh, that's great. I mean, Eddie has his own form of a family round him, and we're never. Sh I'm never sure who's safe. You know, he's got Harry, Kate, Blog, Denise. In each book, he seems to have more people he has to protect, which must is in a way even more of a burden for him. But I like the way you're you know you make us really worried about what's going to happen to the people he cares about yeah and eddie cares about them um but i think you know the reader cares about them too a lot of my you know my fans say oh i love harry ford or i love kate or blocks my favorite and that's great because there's no one you know sort of uh character in that team that that dominates people have their own favorites but people, they seem to, they're sort of an, an unhappy crew of sort of misfits and people who have had other careers that have gone wrong and they've found themselves now working with Eddie. And I, I like them all very much. They're all very individual. And there's a new character comes into this book called Gabriel Lake, who's an ex-FBI investigator. And he was a lot of fun to write because I wanted to write about um, profiling, serial killer profiling. Because um, this book is about a, a a woman who finds out that she was married to a serial killer, and she says, "I had no, I didn't know. I maybe suspected a wee bit, but I I just I didn't know." I, and you are following her memory of that, but through her diary entries. However, she has been put on trial because the FBI says, "Well, look, we think that you did know, and more than that, you helped cover up these crimes, and you were an accomplice." Uh, and Eddie is, is representing Carrie, uh, the wife, uh, her husband, the serial killer, the Sandman, has, has disappeared, but comes back now the trial starts because he wants to protect his wife. Um, so I, I, I've done lots of research in serial killers, but I didn't know too much about, about profiling, how profiles are written. You've seen these shows like Mindhunter and, you know, uh, Criminal Minds and things, and it's the Behavioural Analysis Unit of the FBI. So I did months and months of research on this and how it's all done. And I really wanted to examine it in the book um, because I'd, I'd, I'd seen lots of those shows and read lots of books about profilers. What I didn't realize was there are myriad schools of thought on profiling, but they nearly all agree that the methods that are used don't work at all and can quite often lead to people being... Uh, uh, people go free uh, two serial killers have been caught directly from profiles that were written profiles only as good as, as a profiler who wrote it whereas there's maybe around 15 to 20 serial killers who have 
escaped the police because he didn't fit the profile they were working from. You know, uh, quite famously, the Washington sniper was let go at least twice because they were stopped, but they, they, they didn't, he didn't fit the profile that they were working from, that they'd got from the FBI, so let him go. Uh, so there, I, I was fascinated by this area, and Gabriel was an ex-profiler, but he has his own way of doing it, which draws from one of those schools of thought, which I think quite uh, does work, and it's been proven to have better results. So he's a very interesting character because he's he has a personal vendetta against the Sandman, and he kind of joins up with Eddie and Block mainly to look for the killer while Eddie's defending uh, the wife. And let's talk about the Sandman, the the serial killer. Was it fun to write? Because often actors say it's fun to act the part of a of a baddie. Was the character fun to write? Yeah, I mean they are fun to write because there are there are no rules. Um, this person, you know, every character, the likes of Avery and Block and Harry, they will have their parameters and their own social and moral codes that they don't break. Whereas you're writing a serial killer quite often they will have uh, no compunction they will have no limits they will harm or do anything to get what they want and that can be quite liberating to write it also be a bit scary to get into that sort of psyche but um they're fascinating characters to write um and i had a lot of fun writing about this one and he has this this thing about uh he um he puts sand uh, on his victims, so he he removes their eyes and puts sand on their faces and in their wounds. And there's a forensic reason for that because it makes it very difficult to get anything forensically from that body. But it also has great symbolism for him, um, and it draws on the old. Because if you look at the old, some of the old fairy tales, a lot of them are about sleep. You know, the Sleeping Beauty and Snow White. And, you know, Wee Willie Winky and all these, there's, there's myths and myths and myths about children and people sleeping and what happens when you sleep. And uh, uh, the, the Sandman comes from Hans Christian Andersen's sort of character who would sneak in at night and put sand in your eyes to make you sleep, but you would feel his breath on your neck. And I thought, my God, that's incredibly sinister. I, that's what my killer's going to do. And that, although <laughs> yeah, yeah. that, that I mean that was ready made for me, so that character was sort of obsessed by these tales when he was young and growing up. But that didn't make him a a killer, you know. And he says, "Yeah, you know, I was, I've always felt like this, um, you know." And and but people are often fascinated why serial killers do what they do. How can you do that? Um, and why would you do it? How do you become a person who can go out and, and murder someone? And uh, I've often felt sometimes that can be over-explained. You know, people think, well, there was a, maybe abuse in that person's past or other. Sometimes there's not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's in, a na in their nature. You know, you don't question the nature of a shark. You don't question sometimes the nature of some of these people. Um, I think if you overexplain it, sometimes you can take away the, the the make them less frightening. Sometimes, sometimes there are killers I've written who have been <clears throat> made this way from various reasons, and I go into that and show you that. But sometimes there are people who are just sharks. 
And as the story develops, as you mentioned, we read uh, elements of Carrie's diary as well. Did you write that as you were writing the other parts or did you write her diary on its own? No, I wrote that as I always write in a straight line. So those parts were written, but the, the diaries were rewritten several times. They're the, they're the parts of the book that were rewritten most often because trying to get... I'm essentially trying to tell a story through her diaries. And there's a fine balance between telling a story and having the diary entry look and read like a genuine diary entry. There's a, there's a real skill in doing that. Um, so that one, and I had needed lots of help from, from uh, everyone, from my agent and Tracy and my editor, and trying to get those diaries to sound like diaries, as well as having all of the information in them. But yes, you you are the with Carrie during a relationship with this man. And you can then say, well, hang on, when this happened, should she not have known? Should she not have suspected? But then you hear the excuses that were given and the things that are told to her and how maybe she was manipulated. So it gives some insight into that relationship because the central question of this book is, well, if you were married to a serial killer, would you not know? Uh, but the reason that's that's in the book is a lot of the f even famous serial killers who were caught were married at the time that they were doing these things and their wives didn't know, they had no clue. You know, people think of serial killers as the loner who lives in the end of the street in the big spooky house and you don't see him too often, keeps himself to himself type thing, quiet guy. Often they're family, they're family men. They have, they have children. They have a wife, they have a partner and they go out at night and do these mm. terrible things. Goodness me. Is Eddie a character you can turn off when you're not writing him or does he linger in your ear? No, he, he, he turns, as soon as I stop writing or I'm not thinking about the book or I'm not working, working on the book and then he goes away um, and then he comes back whenever I need him. But yeah, he's, he's, he's fun to write, but I don't have that thing. Some writers are very much, they talk to their characters when they're not writing a book. And uh, I thankfully, touch wood, I'm not one of those people talking to imaginary people that I've created. You know, when I'm sta <laughs> standing waiting on a bus, <laughs> talking to one yeah. of my characters, that's, no, no, no. no we don't want that. There are some writers that do that. And I just think, you know what, that's great, fair play to you. But, you know, no sudden movements around those writers. <laughs> Back away slowly. Yeah. Keep a respectful distance there. Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose as well, if Eddie is a lot of you, in a way, you, you have got Eddie's voice the whole time because it's your voice as well. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> but, I don't, but I don't have an American accent. I don't speak in Americanisms, whereas he has an American patois or a New York, Brooklyn patois. Which I, so the voice itself is something completely different to me. But he kind of has my outlook and my approach and some of the skills and tricks that I learned as a, in a career as a lawyer. Um, so, yeah, but so it makes it easier to switch it off. OK, so here are a, f a few quick fire questions for you to choose. Legal pad or notepad? Oh, uh, I'd be more specific. So <laughs> I use like term 1917 notebooks uh, because I like to write with fountain pens because um, they're much easier to write with and they're, they're beautiful to write with and I like writing, I enjoy writing with them. So when I'm making notes or writing out, sometimes I write out a bit in longhand as well, particularly for description, 
I like picking up a nice fountain pen and writing with it on nice paper. And anything that, that helps me or encourages me to write, I think is a good thing. So, like term 1917 notebooks. There we go. I wasn't expecting that. No edits or lots of edits. Ideally, no edits. It'd be great to put a book in at one stage and somebody to go, you know what, that's perfect. No, no need to do anything in that. That would be amazing. Book cover or book title? You really need both. You really, really need both. <laughs> um, I think cover is more important than title. Ebook or or audio book? Audio book. Yeah, like audio books. And bookshelves by author or by colour? Uh, very much alphabetical order and author. Um some people, and we do have somewhere in the house different bookshelves with a colour, and that's okay. But for me, an author is good. No, that's great. What's the biggest stress as an established author? Because, you know, there are such high expectations for you. Um, it's great having high expectations. I love that. Um, the only pressure that I have is the pressure that I put on myself. Because when I write a a novel I want it to be better than the one I've done before um, so a more complex narrative a better twist, better characters better written um, all of that uh, and sometimes a book is a reaction to the book that came before It's so it's different but the pressure that I have is what I put on myself mm. um, I'm constantly trying to improve my books and I think if I do that and I concentrate on that, then everything else should take care of itself. And are you ever tempted by a different genre? You know, horror, sci-fi? I don't know. Uh, I like... Uh, there are elements of horror in perhaps some of my books. Um, I would never write and sit down and say, OK, I'm going to do something completely different. Um, you know, if I was in you know, 10 years' time, if I was, you know, uh, a, a more established author, put it like that, I, I don't know. I might turn my hand to something else, but uh, I doubt it. I like suspense. That's where my that's where my boat is, and I really enjoy writing that. And next up, have we got another Eddie book to look forward to, or are you going back to a standalone? I, I, uh, what's next, I don't know. I okay. have two in the pipeline, so it depends. Um, and both need work. Uh, one's one's much more advanced than another one, so I don't know yet. Um, but yet there will be definitely more Eddie Flynn. Put it like that. Do you ever go back and sit in court just to get another feeling of being in that environment? Like you reference the sound in the courtroom in this book, and particularly how unusual it is that that the courtroom is silent. Do Do you ever go back, or have you got more than enough memories of being in court to last you? I you, I think I have enough. Um, I've spent so many, you know, thousands of hours, really, in a courtroom, and I, I know it pretty well. But you never know, if there's something interesting on, I would go and see. And I think the next time I'm in New York, I'll definitely go back to Centre Street in Manhattan and have another look there and see if there's anything interesting or see, see if the place has changed much. Mm. I do like sitting in courtrooms. It's, it's really fascinating and... Um, a lot of people do. Night court uh, there, you know, used to be entertainment uh, for people in New York, you know, especially in 
uh, during times of the, of, the, of the Depression and economic times, when people wouldn't go to the theatre, let's go to night court and see if there's anything juicy, and they would go and sit there and watch it. Um, so, yeah, um, I'll never say I'm, I'm not going back in your courtroom again. I'm not going back in your courtroom to represent anybody again. <clears throat> now, I'm not doing that, but I'll maybe go and watch. <laughs> Do you, can you get called up for jury service having worked uh, in law for so long? Um, I don't know. I think pub, uh, probably I could, um, but I, I don't know. I'll see. I, I'm sure I would have a, a cunning plan to get to get out of it, um, or, or maybe not. It depends. <laughs> depends what type of case yeah. it was. But uh, no, I, I, I think I, I think whatever service I have had to give to the law, I've I've paid it. Yeah. My last question is about believability, which your books always deliver and that's why you know we trust you and we enjoy the twists and turns because they are believable it is that something do you have to chain edit it a lot to get there or is that always there when you're writing um i learned when i was writing my first book i mean all, all the books have are sort of high concept anyway they're always this is something that could happen maybe once you know to make it interesting to give it a hook for the reader so I learned early on the details really help. So, for example, in 13, a novel about a serial killer who works his way onto a jury, well, I tell you exactly how that could be done in very detailed, practical terms. And the trick is getting keeping the story flowing, but at the same time explaining to the reader, well, here's exactly how it could be done very quite easily. And that details make things believable for for me um there was a and i learned that from a gladiator the movie gladiator there's a brilliant scene where russell crowe's about to be executed um by the generals and the soldiers have taken him a, a way out and he's kneeling down and he headbutts one guy and gets up but there's another soldier who could kill him quite easily trying to pull his sword from the scabbard but the sword won't come out and it's, it's snowy around them. And Russell Crowe says, the frost sometimes makes the blade stick. And I thought, that's probably right. That metal and metal, that would, because sometimes you try and open your car door when it's really frosty. But metal on metal, that really would stick and you you know you can't pull your sword out. And that was something very real and very tangible. And I thought, that's brilliant because that convinces yeah. everyone that this is a real world. So where I can, little tiny details like that, which someone would only know if they've been there and been in that situation. They're like little droplets of gold. So I sprinkle some of those on as well. So it makes everything much more real to the reader. Well, we love those droplets of gold. We really do. Steve Kavanagh, whose latest book is The Accomplice. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Philip. A really good time. Thanks for having me on. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And the next book is The Retreat by Sarah Pears. And listen to this. This is a warning for all our guests at the Wellness Retreat. A woman's body has been found at the bottom of a cliff beneath the yoga pavilion. We believe her death was a tragic accident, although DS Ellen Warner has arrived on the island to investigate. A storm has been forecast, but do not panic. Stick together and please ignore any rumours you might have heard about the island and its history. As soon as the weather clears, we will arrange boats to take you back to the mainland. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy your stay. <laughs> Let's do first sentence. Prologue. Thea's scream rips through the clearing, startling the birds from the trees in a flurry of flapping wings. The sound isn't human, it's high-pitched and desperate, the kind of scream that turns your stomach inside out, makes your ears burn. It's an excellent book. I mean, the sanatorium, Sarah... Pierce's first book was extraordinary and if you like the sanatorium I think you will really enjoy reading the retreat it's great to have the return of DSL and Warner in this book you don't have to have read the first at all to enjoy this one but let's talk to Sarah now as she answers five questions. Sarah Pierce, whose latest book is The Retreat. It is wonderful to have you back. Welcome back to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for having me on again. Well, this book, my goodness, uh, a superb book. I uh, just can't wait to hear about people reading it and reviewing it and, and loving it. But I'm going to put you on the spot for these five questions. Oh, First one, can you summarise your book in about about... 30 seconds. Well, the book is a follow on from the sanatorium, but can also be read as a standalone. It's another mystery, murder mystery set on a remote island at a luxury retreat. We follow Ellen there, who's back from her career break, which we learnt about in the sanatorium. And a woman's body is found on the rocks below the yoga pavilion in what seems to be a fall. But all isn't quite as it seems. <laughs> and Sarah, if you ever invited me to go on holiday with you, I'm afraid I'd be like, no, no, thanks, because you seem to have all these <laughs> ideas about luxury holidays that, uh, yeah, the 
bad things can yeah. happen. <laughs> well, I think Catherine Ryan Howard, funnily enough, when she she's uh, blurbed the book, she said, ruining the idea of luxe travel for us all. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Great. <laughs> um, second question, who's your favourite character? But it's got to be one of the smaller ones. Who did you enjoy writing the most? Uh, Hannah. So the book's written from two mm. points of view. So we have Ellen, obviously, who's our detective. And then we have Hannah, um, who's part of a family group, um, three sisters um, and a cousin who've travelled to the island. And yeah, I really enjoyed writing her. Um, sort of personal elements in there. Um, and I was really interested in exploring her role as kind of almost sort of, sort of I've described the three sisters as a tripod, um, but she's very much the kind of um, middle sister who kind of keeps the balance. Um, and I kind of wanted to explore the pressures on her because of that. Yes, yeah, sisterhood is a very interesting subject, isn't it? Yes, the, the way it's portrayed in the, in the book. Next question, what three words would you want people to feel when they're reading this book? if that makes sense. Oh, that's a really interesting question. Yeah, no, probably thrilled, I guess, because we've got a thriller. Maybe fear. And, oh, I'm trying to think of the last question. Maybe intrigue, because you're just wondering. Yeah, maybe intrigued. Yeah, lots of questions, I think, throughout the book. Intrigue, yeah. That's Is it, a good sorry, it's not for me to tell you about your own book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> now, the next question is one you may not have been asked before, but it's very important on this Ooh. podcast. What food and drink did you consume while you were writing this particular book? Oh, that's such a good question. During my writing process, I tend to consume vast amounts of chocolate. So my favourite is kind of lint 70% dark. So, um, yeah, chocolate, um, cheese. I'm a big cheese fan as well. Um, and probably all kinds of carbohydrates, pasta and industrial quantities. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. fantastic. You are very welcome on this podcast. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it's not mung beans and green tea or anything. No, no sadly not. I admire <laughs> these people who kind of, you know, have their broths and their very healthy foods. Yeah. But no. <laughs> Particularly during the editing process, I find I tend to rely on a lot on chocolate. <laughs> and what about drinking? Was, was there caffeine involved or not? Or? Yeah, caffeine, definitely. I'm a bit kind of sensitive to caffeine, so I tend to have a sort of caffeine coffee uh, first thing and then I switch to decaf throughout the day. So, um, yeah, lots of coffee consumed. And I have to say a cheeky wine or two in the evenings. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. So are you eating while you're writing and editing or do you think to yourself, right, if I write this many words, I can have that lint chocolate bar now? Yeah, that's actually a really good question, because I think I kind of have the idea that I treat myself. But I have to say, sometimes during the process, I do anything for distractions. So I'll find myself wandering down to the kitchen <laughs> and then picking something. So I would say it's kind of midway through. I'd like to be disciplined, but I'm not. <laughs> and was that the same when you wrote The Sanatorium? Because obviously that was such a huge hit globally. Were you eating and drinking the same then? Is that something that set you up? in the right way yeah no no definitely but um yeah probably actually during the sanatorium I think I was probably eating some more of the winter themed foods because we were able to travel this book the retreat was kind of my pandemic baby book <laughs> um so yeah it was probably max stress with homeschooling so more chocolate I would say than during the sanatorium <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense your last question what's been and this is a hard one for you I'd imagine because there's oh, lots to choose okay. from but what's been the most memorable moment so far in your writing career 
Oh, that's so hard. Can I split it UK and US? Yes, go on. Yeah, because otherwise it's not fair. I think (laughs) probably going for the US, it's probably the moment I found out I was a Reese's Book Club pick because it was genuinely so unexpected. It wasn't something I knew my editors even kind of put me or the book in for. Um, So yeah, that had to be a memorable moment when I got on the Zoom call with my US editor and she said, yep, it is. And it screamed. Um, And then probably in the UK when I hit kind of number one on the Sunday Times bestseller list, again, hugely unexpected I can't say it was a dream because it wasn't even on my radar um so yeah that was definitely a memorable moment (laughs) oh wonderful well we just look forward to hearing about the success of the the retreat as well oh fingers crossed Sarah Pierce thank you so much for joining me today oh thanks for having me Philippa next book The Taking of Annie Thorne by CJ Tudor these are sort of thriller crime thrillers but with an edge, a twist, a a darkness to them. So if you're very much, oh, I don't want anything that might scare me, as I used to be, then these might not be for you. But I'm loving these at the moment. I'm hoovering them up. If you could hoover up books, that's what I'm doing. Um, Here's is the blurb. Then, one night my little sister went missing. There were searches, appeals. Everyone thought the worst. And then miraculously she came back. She couldn't or wouldn't say what had happened. But she wasn't the same afterwards. She wasn't my Annie. Sometimes my own little sister scared me to death. Now the email arrives in my inbox. I know what happened to your sister. It's happening again. Mm. Let's go for the first sentence. Prologue. Even before stepping into the cottage, Gary knows that this is bad. It's the sickly sweet smell drifting out through the open door, the flies buzzing around the sticky hot hallway. And if that isn't a dead giveaway that something about this house is not right, not right in the worst possible way, then the silence confirms it. I loved it. I'm putting CJ Tudor on my autobuy list from this point on. Excellent. Oh, and I did listen to some of it as an audiobook, and that was excellent too. Next one. This is quite different from the first three, but a beautiful, a beautiful book. Waiting for Sunshine by Jane Sanderson. Here's the blurb. Chrissy has always wanted to be a mother. After months of trying to adopt, she and her husband Stuart finally get the news that a little girl named Sunshine is waiting for them. Abandoned at a young age, the child comes to them without a family history and it feels like a fresh start for all of them. But then fragments of Sunshine's previous life begin to intrude on her new one and the girl's mysterious past quickly becomes Chrissy's greatest fear. Beautiful and compelling, this is a story of hope and love, about finding your perfect family and fighting to keep it. First sentence is... When the call came, they were at the cinema, watching a weekend classic screening of Rear Window, which they'd both seen before, but so had everyone else. That was the whole point. I thought this was a lovely book, a very human book, um, sort of like you like the sea wave, there are gentle waves on top, but big things happening deep underneath. It's sort of an emotional, vulnerable book. And it's about the emotions of adopting, um, sort of very meaningful work done on that I think uh, written by someone who radio has been their trade I'd be really interested to know if they write this by dictating it or sort of hearing the words and writing it you know do they write it as if they are a radio presenter I don't know I just thought it was um, a very moving book indeed bravo and then the last book I have received 
the last book I've received. Well, I did receive this one from Book Break, but it's the last book I'm reviewing for you this week, dear oh dear, is The Party House by Lynn Anderson. Listen to this one. A small community with big secrets. Devastated by a recent pandemic brought in by outsiders, the villagers of Blackrig in the Scottish Highlands are outraged when they find that the nearby estate plans to reopen its luxury party house to tourists. As animosity sparks amongst the locals, part of the property is damaged and in the ensuing chaos, the body of a young girl is found in the wreck. 17-year-old Elisa Cummings went missing five years ago, never to be seen again until now. The excavation of Elisa's remains ignites old suspicions cast on the men of this small community, including Greg, the estate's gamekeeper. At the beginning of a burgeoning relationship with a new lover, Joanne, Greg is loath to discuss old wounds. Frightened by Greg's reaction to the missing girl's discovery, Joanne begins to doubt how well she knows this new man in her life. Then again, he's not the only one with secrets in their volatile relationship. Mm. Uh, chapter one. Eleven o'clock and the sky was still light. In Glasgow it would be dark by now, she thought. She hadn't wanted to come here, to this dead-end village in the Highlands, but here she was. Uh, hang on, let me get my note. Yes, I thought this was a good one. It's a combination of a sort of a locked room, a crime, a thriller. There were short chapters and it just shows it's one of those books where... You, you come across a place, a community, first of all, and you think, oh, this is very nice, this is lovely. I'd like to go here for a little tripette. And then you realise that there's a lot more going on and you suddenly find yourself backtracking on those holiday plans, deleting the Airbnb request and thinking, no, thank you, I'll stay away. Um, I haven't read any books by Lynn Anderson before, I don't think, but uh, gosh, they can certainly write. I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was, it delivered what it said. I like the different elements of how uh, there'd been this pandemic brought in by outsiders and how that just added another ingredient to the recipe. So, yes, bravo. So those are your books for this week. We have The Accomplice by Steve Kavanagh and Steve very kindly came on for the full interview. The Retreat by Sarah Pierce and Sarah came on to answer five questions. The Taking of Annie Thorne by CJ Tudor. Waiting for Sunshine by Jane Sanderson and The Party House by Lynn Anderson. That is your lot. I'm going away to try and inhale some Olbus oil or something. Oh, just look after yourselves and I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.